Hello and welcome to episode 8 of United by Calcio. I am your host, Christian, and I am joined by your co-host, the favorite of this podcast, except not his team. What's your name? Robbie! Well, Robbie, thank you for joining me on this episode again. I mean, uh, you know, if you weren't an Inter fan, we'd, we'd be better friends, but, you know, it's okay. Our friendship uh, is great it. where it is. Because <laughs> Forza Inter! Well said, well said. I mean, you guys are at the top of the table, and we've got uh, some exciting uh, stuff to talk about. I mean, we uh, who the heck thought we'd be talking about an exciting week that is led by Cagliari of all teams? And yeah, Cagliari is a Fosinone, right? What? I almost turned this game off. <laughs> 70th minute, it was 3 yeah. They Like, yeah. you know, at that point, I was like, all right, like, a lunchtime kickoff, you know, that got us into the, the mid-games. That's and right. And 3-0, Frosinone are cruising. I mean, mm-hmm. Cagliari really only created that penalty that they missed off the That's crossbar. Right. And then all of a sudden, Ersta Stanio, uh, inter zone, uh, mm-hmm. gets a nice little goal. And you're like, all right, that's mm-hmm. that's we're still not thinking they're going to come back and even tie this game no. at that point. But... Macumbo and, uh, of course, the immortal Pavoletti. Yep. Unbelievable. Like, oh, it's even 3-2, two, you're still thinking, oh, Frosinone's going to hold on. Absolutely. For the, in the 90th minute. Mm-hmm. And two goals out of nowhere to not only tie, but to win. What a comeback. Like, Absolutely. down three, couldn't tell you the last time a three-goal comeback to win happened. Oh, I, I mean, so uh, as far as, and, and they could be wrong, but as far as I read, this is the first time in the history of Serie A that a team that's been down 3-0 has come back to win the game. There you go. Yeah. Because so, like, when you're down through nothing, you're thinking, okay, like, let's get one, see what yeah. happens, and maybe, maybe we can, like, tie this. That's right. Ain't nobody was think. No one was thinking. Oh, they're gonna just come back and win this thing. No, no, not at all. I mean, I certainly wasn't. Uh, we're talking about a, a pretty dominant performance from Frosinone to begin with. And uh, I'm just gonna give a shout out to my boy Matias Sule, uh, Juventus product. Uh, come back home, please. Come back home. Uh, we need you. But what a performance from him, right? I mean, two goals. This is what I wanted to see in his development at this point. Um, but outside of UA perspective, he came up big for them. Rainier uh, had two assists in this game. Both of them performed exceptionally. And then, like you mentioned, if you think about this game from a 70th minute on, and it's a completely different game. It's almost as if you just erased everything that just happened in the first 70. And you have to wonder, what is the manager thinking? Or what is he not thinking, more importantly? Because how does he let this happen? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, when you're Cagliari, obviously, you're thinking, okay, we're down a lot. We got to score some goals. So let's Mm -hmm. put on some attacking talent. And it just felt like maybe... They just couldn't weather it. It just. Right. I don't think there was much he could do coaching wise to be like, all right, like, like 
it seems pretty base, at least self-explanatory to me that like, okay, yeah, we're up by a lot. Let's like possess, let's create some chances, but also just make sure they don't have the ball. Mm -hmm. And Ranieri brought on like, uh, brought on Pavoletti right after halftime and then three subs in the 63rd. And all of a sudden, and one of them being Aristano who got the comeback going. That's um, right. And after that goal, you immediately, Frosinone made two substitutions to try and slow it down, like make sure nothing's happened. Still 3-1, a lot of game right. left, but still got a two-goal cushion. And then after yeah. the second one, they another sub. So like, it's not like he wasn't trying to do stuff. He clearly was. It just kind of all unraveled at the end with Pavoletti in the 90th. Yeah, you just got to wonder if maybe he put in uh, the, the the wrong players. You know, perhaps, uh, but, uh, or perhaps just, you know, you do sometimes have the, the sheer luck uh, of the draw when it comes to momentum shifting your way, right? Sometimes the winds of change are enough to, to get you right over that edge. And I mean, clearly it was Leonardo Pavoletti's night, right? Two goals, one assist. This man was just on fire. Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. It comes that was a 36 minute, my like dear. that was yeah, unbelievable performance and what a header he had <laughs> on one of the two goals. Like he couldn't have put that header in a better spot. Top corner, keeper had no chance. You gotta love it. I mean, uh, when when you think of this weekend, though, uh, I, I did not expect this game to be this way. No, I expected no. Fusinone to pull out a victory pretty well. Uh, ahead of Cagliari because, you know, well, Cagliari is still at the uh, second to last spot on the table. So, yeah, their first win of the season was that right. win. Yeah. What a time. What a way it. to do it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, you got to give it to them. Um, Claudio Ranieri found the right mixture in this game. Apparently, this team came together at the right time. And boy, did they put in a performance for the ages. I mean, this has got to be one of the best games that's been played in a long, long while. Yeah. I mean, that's probably one of the games of the season. Absolutely. And I, no one would have said, oh yeah, it's going to be between Cagliari and Frosinone. That's the game of the season. But what a game that was. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, we weren't exactly short. Well, you know, we had plenty of decent action, but we weren't exactly short of uh, you know, really interesting games this week. Uh, not Napoli Milan. The next game up on uh, our list to cover here. Another exciting game. I mean, it looked like Milan had this game. It looked like they had it wrapped. Right. Granted, it's a little early to say. You know, you had it wrapped when you know, you're just leading in the first half against Napoli, dangerous side. But Napoli looked like the better side, did they not? Yeah. I mean, it was a tale of two halves. Like Milan were all over Napoli in the first half. Just great cross with his left foot from Pulisic, finding right. Drew, and mm-hmm. then great header. And then the second goal, he just absolutely destroyed Romani. Yeah. Like, he just manhandled him. <laughs> He's like, yeah, Romani, you're in a different league right now. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm here. Scoring yeah. this header, like, unbelievable. He just consistently finds ways in a little bit of space 
that's all he needs. And yeah. bang, two nothing, and Napoli were reeling. And if they had gone on to lose that game, I would have expected Rudy Garcia to be gone. However, yeah. that may have saved his job. Made three substitutions right, right. after half, and Di Lorenzo finding that Poly Politano for that goal. Wow, that was an unbelievable goal. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Yeah. Ma- nothing Magnan can do. Embarrasses the defensive line, and then finally you got Rastori right. with. I don't know what Magnan's doing. Like. <laughs> Either he set up the wall wrong, yeah, or he's in poor position because right. nothing should just be hit to the side of the wall and beat you there. Right. And credit to Rasvidori, like that was an unbelievable free kick. It still just can't happen. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, there is. Mind you, they were down, but both both goals, I, I'd say, were pretty spectacular. Uh, Granted, you could argue Magnan should have should have had at least put some sort of effort in that second one, but you could argue Raspadori is also very good at what he does. So, uh, akin to what you know, Giroud did, he kind of manhandled that Napoli backline, uh, as he seems to just do apparently on a week to week basis. Now he uh, he's aging backwards at this point. Uh, I don't know if he got the memo on that, but he's apparently not getting older. Uh, it seems like. So this is going to be an interesting season with uh, Giroud. I mean, Pulisic had a pretty good game. He had an assist there, obviously. Um, Calabria had the other assist. But this Milan team broke down is really the the takeaway here, right? Because these are the games when they need to be able to withstand the pressure, especially from a team like Napoli, right? Uh, especially given the performance in our Champions League, this, this really just does bring up even more questions, does it not? Yeah, I mean, it was a perfect first half for them. You couldn't have drawn it up better, and right. you got to hold leads against good teams. It just that's right. Like you might have been not expecting to be up two to zero mm-hmm. going into halftime. Mm-hmm. I want to know. I want to get some like mics into what was said in both locker rooms because right. Napoli came out on fire. And mm-hmm. Milan didn't. No. And maybe this is when we start, like what you said with the last game, like maybe we start questioning Pioli on these decisions. That's like right. exactly. he brought on Luca Romero, which don't get me wrong. I like Luca Mer- Romero. He's an mm-hmm. attacking youngster who could be something special. That's for right. Pulisic. But mm-hmm. why is that substitution being made? Like, it feels like, oh, maybe you should have gone more defensive if you're going to take off a Pulisic type. Yeah. Instead of just kind of doing a like for like, except one of them's way more inexperienced and might make mistakes in the defensive end or right. going forward just because of like nerves, anything. And he just didn't seem to put much into the game when he came on. Oh, that, that's, a, that's a great observation. Uh, it really just did not seem like this team made the right changes did not i mean again this is a kind of a question of pioli is this the time for this team to move on from pioli right is this sort of reached its natural ceiling you know this is a question we've been talking a lot about 
before the season even started, it's a question I have a feeling is going to just keep going forward, right? But those changes you were talking about, agreed. Luca Romero is not the guy I'd bring on if I'm trying to protect a lead. Uh, I wouldn't be thinking of uh, of him as my first substitute. I'd be likely going for somebody who's going to shore up my defense. Think, and not just bringing someone on, but like you, you, you tell your players on the field what they need to do to protect the lead at that point, right? Not just leave yourself vulnerable to this Napoli attack that even without Osimhen is plenty capable of producing goals, as we saw. It's not as if it's lacking in talent. No, you, not at all. If you allow Raspadori and Politano the op- opportunities, they'll exploit them, right? Yeah, and Di Lorenzo might be the best right back in the league. But that's, Honestly, though. Wow. Like, yeah. he looks unbelievable. And that flank, in general, was perfect for them. That's right. They needed, did exactly what they needed to do. And at some point, you, now you're starting to question Pioli in the big games. Like exactly. Champions League, exactly. they look horrific. 0-1 oh, and 2. Uh, oh, so 2 bad. and 1, sorry. They got smashed by PSG. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they, they're coming off the loss to Juventus. So yes, they they're 0-2 and 1 in their last three, in, mm-hmm. if you include the Champions League. Um, like, they got smashed against Inter. So it's just mm-hmm. like, all these big games are happening, and Milan keep falling short. And if things tend, like, trend this way mm-hmm. maybe Pioli is gone before Rudy Garcia which is a crazy thing to think about oh it is absolutely it's insane uh the, you, know, you think especially given the expectations for this Milan team the way they started this season this is not what we would have thought would have been this point in the season for them right we wouldn't have expected these kinds of performances from them at least I wouldn't have <laughs> No, I would have expected better in the Champions League, right. um, which is really where I can be super critical for them mm-hmm. because they're still third in the league. They're only three points back of top. It's not right. like they're doing dreadful in the league. They're 7-1-2. No, no. It just happens those have come in the biggest games, like the Juventus, Napoli, and Inter. Those are probably your three, your biggest like competitors for the Scudetto. And you've dropped points to all of them. Um, that, they that, have that's wins, ultimately my problem like, there. Yeah, and they have wins against the Rome clubs, which is mm-hmm. like great. Right. And which, I mean, it might not be much to write home about based on right. last weekend with Inter. Um, <laughs> but it just feels like you got to start getting wins against the biggest teams here. And yeah, if you're, you're Milan, you're a... Mm-hmm. You're known for Champions League. Like, you got to be doing better against a newcomer in Newcastle and PSG, the Champions League team that everyone loves to beat up on and how they always fail. And then Mm -hmm. Dortmund, who just hasn't looked inspiring at all. No, no, not even remotely. And I mean, this, this team, this Napoli team, mind you, showed a lot of resilience when they played Union Berlin uh, in the Champions League group stage, right? They won 1-0. This was in the 65th minute, a goal by Raspadori again. Um, You you definitely 
are starting to see, at least in my view, some some of the bright spots on this team. They're starting to click again, seemingly. Uh, they're second on their table in the Champions League group stages as well. And like you mentioned with Milan, they're complete opposite. I mean, they, they are looking dreadful. Uh, you lose 3-0 to PSG. I know it's at the Parc des Princes, right? It's a hard stadium, really difficult place to play in. But you cannot be last in your group. That just is not excusable. Not when you're Milan. No. no. And the worst part is now they have PSG again. At I mean, this time it's at the San Siro, but you're going to need to go into that game needing a result. Exactly. Uh, like, you're already four points back about Dortmund and Newcastle for That's right. just to get out of the group, not even to win it. You're six behind PSG, so you can probably kiss winning the group goodbye. But oh, at this point, you just got to hope that you somehow get some results because you're basically going to need two wins to mm-hmm. get to, to eight points. That's right. And maybe some luck. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe they're just trying to hope to get to Europa at this point, which I mean, hey, if they get in Europa, like, yeah, they should be able to make a run, which sure. would be pretty fun. But even now, that doesn't look likely. No, it does not. I, and, and to be perfectly frank, uh, my expectations for them, and I think for a lot of other people, including their fans, were a lot higher than just Europa League. Now, mind you, if they do go in and they win, by all means, you don't take that away from them. Europa League is nothing to scoff at. Uh, it's a perfectly honorable uh, championship to win, right? There's nothing to uh, laugh about. But Absolutely. Uh, at the same time, this Milan team has a, such a pedigree, right? We're talking about one of the most successful Champions League era clubs. This is one of the teams that you think about when you think of Champions League. So it, it definitely is disappointing. Maybe this is part of the growing uh, pains, unfortunately, right? Uh, this team is, is growing back to its uh, old stature, hopefully, at some point. But I think we've we've talked this game <laughs> to death enough. Uh, we can move on uh, with the hope that Napoli and Milan will keep entertaining us for the rest of the season. Maybe it'll be a really nice down-the-wire end of the top four for the season. But with that, Robbie, let's move on to um, another good game. Lazio-Fiorentina, at least for one of these teams, anyways. <laughs> uh, not, not so much for Fiorentina. But, you know, Fiorentina is just, again, flat. What, what What is going on with them, Robbie? Yeah, uh, like we've talked about on previous podcasts with Fiorentina is they're going to have to score goals to win. And I'm, that sounds such, yeah. like such a generic statement. Like, obviously, you need to score goals to win. But mm-hmm. I'm saying there's not a lot of games where they're going to concede zero or one goal. So right. you need exactly. to score goals. And mm-hmm. in this game, they just could not find the net no. um, at all. They couldn't. They actually, props to Lazio. They really shut them down, Nico and all them. Um, yeah. Like they were all over Fiorentina and rightfully got the goal, the penalty in the end, um, where Chiro Mobley is just a great penalty taker. Yeah, it. it is. Boom, done, done and dusted in 95th. Um, the game definitely should have had way more than one goal. Um, Absolutely. Felt like the exact same as like Inter Roma. Um, 
Although yeah, that, exactly. that Beltran goal that got called off for Fiorentina mm-hmm. was unbelievable. I <laughs> stood up as soon as he like passed the keeper and tapped in. I was like, that was mind-blowing. We need more of that. That was amazing. And it gets called back, so it doesn't call me, right? But like, yeah, I was like stunned. I was like, whoa, what a goal. And nothing. And then they don't even score for the rest of the game. Um, yeah, it just left something to be desired from Fiorentina. Like, there are the, like, sorry is a really good underrated coach. I feel like he isn't yeah. talked about anymore ever since his mm-hmm. Napoli stint. Everyone loved to bash him for Juve, even though That's he did right. exactly what he wanted to do and win the title. Um, exactly. <laughs> yes. Hired Pirlo. What a team. Um, And so I think he's doing a good job. Like Lazio are starting to find their footing. Like Mm -hmm. we were bashing them before, but slowly but surely they're getting the, getting the results now. Fine or not the result they wanted. No, Um, no, not at all. I did say that on the last podcast that fine or we're going to get them. Um, I think you predicted three, one as well. So boom. I mean, there you go. I think it was that. Nostradamus. That's me. I mean, um, we should just rename you, obviously. Here we go. Yeah. Robbie <laughs> Nostradamus. There you go. Um, but yeah. And they got it done. That's all that matters at the end. Three, like three points or three points. And props to Lazio. They got it done. Fiorentina aren't an easy opponent. No, they are not. I mean, and, and to be perfectly frank as well, I think it's important to point out that Lazio did win. He did take the three points away, and, and you can't take that away from them. But it is also important to recognize they did win in the 95th minute. That means that they still are struggling taking those opportunities, right? And that does leave some concerns, uh, lingering concerns out there, because like you mentioned, they did lose 3-1 to Feyenoord. Granted, Feyenoord are a tough team and they're also tough to play at home. So that doesn't exactly help. And the same also applies to Lazio. They're a tough team to play at home. So you kind of have to consider those dynamics as well. Uh, Now I was a little more surprised by this because I was, you know, you sort of see Fiorentina against the Serbian side, which I will not butcher this name this time, Chukaritsky, uh, they beat the life out of this team. 6-0. So they were all goals. As they should. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you're in Tina, I absolutely have no reason to even come close to losing that game. No. I mean, Kukarici have scored one goal, allowed 11. Now, granted, mm-hmm. those are the six from Fiorentina. But mm-hmm. still, yeah. like they, this is a lesser team of right. the conference league teams. That's right. So yeah, they are. They should not have any business, like even coming close to drawing that team or no, losing. No, not at all. So I, but I props <laughs> them. They got it done. Like hey, yeah, you can't. I can't bash them for winning six to nothing. Like good for them. You did exactly what you needed to do. Yep. You know pat on the back and now on to the next game <laughs> yeah well said well said that was just like the perfect i'll give you a little bit of credit but mostly good job for doing what you should have done to begin with love that love that yeah 
you're like you're just like the tough love parent in this uh, in this podcast. You're like, nope, you should have done that. You did it. Good for you. You don't get credit for it. Uh, uh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Uh, but jokes aside, yeah, this Fiorentina team definitely should have uh, should have won this game. This is not a game that they had any business getting anywhere near uh, losing. So they did good for them. They move on. They're first actually in Group F now, tied, mind you, but still whatever. It's they're technically first on goal difference. I think it is right. So uh, yes, works for them, uh, which is fantastic. Now with that, let's move on to the game you just mentioned. Inter versus Roma with a spectacular goal by Turam, right? 81st minute. He just puts this game in the back for you guys. Three points. There you go. Yeah, I can't talk about Federico DeMarco enough. He is unbelievable. And also, not he doesn't get credit for the assist or goal, of course. Right. But Christian Aslani, what a mm-hmm. pass from his I own know. half. Perfectly to DeMarco, finds yeah. his foot, takes one touch, looks up, knows where Taram is running. Taram with a yep. great run, bang, back of the net, game's dusted. Because this game should have been 4-5-0. or five, zero. It, Oh, absolutely. Like, Roma had one chance. It was a good mm-hmm. header from Cristante. Summer made a very good save. Yep. But outside that one chance, I mean, were Roma even playing football? It, no, they were not. The whole time, like I have a friend who watches Roma. He was mm-hmm. busy during the game. He texts me <laughs> yeah. and he's like, should I watch it? I'm like, as a Roma fan, you should absolutely not watch this game. You're going to be so mad because everything yeah. is going. It's not football what they played. No, no. Like it's, they I mean, were just is... hoping, hey, we're going to concede a ton mm-hmm. of chances and just hope Inter can't, don't have their day. They almost got there, but yeah, but it. Just, I just can't believe that that was the game plan that Roma had. I get it. You're you don't have the same yeah. talent. You but you don't see lesser teams doing that in Serie A. Like no, no, you don't. Bologna came and took it to Inter. Yeah. Sassuolo came and took it to Inter. Why can Roma not do these things against the big teams? It it blows my mind. It isn't like stop acting like you are a small team and That's be right. better. That's it. Just I have no other good words. Just <laughs> be better. Like actually play football. Agree. Absolutely. You're 100% right. Uh couldn't could not agree with you more on that. I mean that there's no there's no real excuse for any of this. Uh you consider you mentioned it. One shot on target. I mean, are you kidding me? This Roma team with this firepower, one shot on target, really? And they had 276 passes. Think about that for a second, right? They've got a pretty decent midfield. There's no reason for that. And then on top of that, you look at Inter stats, right? 502 passes. That means that like they, they were essentially just dominating the field. And it, it isn't like it changed drastically throughout each half. Inter substantially do- dominated this game in both halves. There was no real... I grant that Inter should have taken opportunities, and, and that is something that I think we need to discuss uh, because it sort of shows uh, a bit of a glaring, potential glaring problem there. 19 total shots, only three on target. Doesn't sound like a great ratio there. 
Their expected goals was 2.3. Should have had more than one goal. They didn't. Whatever. They take three points. But if they weren't playing this Roma team, I mean, the result could have been different, right, Robbie? Yeah, I agree. Um, that is definitely one of the things where you look at this game, you're like, all right, Inter might run into a problem if they can't start finishing chances they create. But they are creating the chances, and that's a positive sign. So that's how I'm going to look at it. You're is right. You need to create these chances, and now the next step is making sure you're finishing these on a consistent basis where right. you're not just relying on the 80 like. Once you get past the 80th minute, you shouldn't be trying to get that winner. Hopefully, you get that yeah. goal before. Um, mm-hmm. You also, on a different note, but it just needs to be talked about. Is mm-hmm. I didn't know uh, if if it weren't for the whistles, I wouldn't have known Lukaku was playing. Honestly, because every time he touched yeah. the ball, which was only 26 times. Uh, the whistles were going crazy. It was amazing. Yeah. I loved every second of it. And 40, he, couldn't have, he could not have gotten out of that arena fast enough. Oh, yeah. No, it was not. It was not his day. Not his day at all. And I didn't expect it to be either. I mean, the, that sense, you know, <clears throat> atmosphere is absolutely tough to play, play in. Sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> The uh, choking over here, apparently, on on just how uh, I have a hard time describing how bad he was. He was he was that bad. Uh, Lukaku, you need a player like that. You you paid this much money for this man to to come play on your team. You need him to show up on this game. And San Siro or not, if he is going to come out, and make comments about how great of a striker he is, as great as the best in Europe, then back it up. And if you don't show up against Inter, former team or not, I'm sorry, you're you're not. You're not top striker material. Yeah, and you can't come out with quotes saying like, oh, I don't talk. I just let my play do the talking. And then <laughs> put up that egg. Like, exactly. that was embarrassing. You Absolutely. think, like, that's one, the game that Lukaku yep. circled on his calendar to start the year. That was it. And yep. he puts up that performance, it's, it's embarrassing. Bad. You're it better is. than that. And Absolutely. I mean, as an Inter fan, I loved every second of him being horrific. <laughs> of course. But he is better than that. Like no, he is. He is definitely better than that. Um, that game was not a real uh, reflection, I don't think, of Roma. Uh, unfortunately, I do think Mourinho is holding that team back. I'm being perfectly frank. I, I don't think he is doing that team favors. Uh, they need to find a new manager because that was Mourinho ball. At least Mourinho ball as it has become, right? This is the the, the sort of twisted, uh, bizarro version of Mourinho ball. And that's what we saw. Yeah, Roma definitely need a more progressive coach. It just like... You saw the tra- – like, you see it now in the transformation. This is a totally different league and everything, but, like, you see the transform- transformation now with Tottenham mm-hmm. and they're pl- with a progressive coach, and they already had talent. And, look, they're playing unbelievable football. You might be able to do the same with Roma. Now they don't have the money or nope. similar talent as Spurs, but mm-hmm. – 
you can still find value adds and be able to play progressive, fun football. And yes, honestly, if I'm a team that is a Roma that isn't going to win the Scudetto, and maybe ultimately mm-hmm. that is the like goal, the Scudetto, but I want to watch weekly fun football. That's it. Like that exactly. would be fun. Like if you play anti football where it's one to zero as every mm-hmm. game, that's it's taxing. I mean, it you is. know yourself, Allegri ball, but it's the same. Yes, I do. But it's like at least Allegri and Juventus are getting results. Yeah, I can't say we're not. I mean, the last uh, last five games we won three out of the last five and uh, drawn one and lost one, so. Not bad, but yeah, Roma have also been on a bit of a run too, right? Let's not forget that. Uh, they've been playing very well up until this game. And then they just had this stinker of a game. They just dropped us on us. I don't quite yeah. know how to explain it, but they did at the very least, right? They won against Monza. They also beat Slavia Prague, which, I mean, they should have done, yes, but nonetheless, they did it, right? Three points. Yeah, you just don't expect this kind of result from them. Unless, and you tell me what you think about this, do you think this team is just just doesn't have any depth to be able to go to, to continue that kind of schedule? Yeah, I just think they're a sixth, maybe fifth place team, probably right. seventh as well. Like It's just like when you go through that five-game winning streak of who they played, they beat Frosinone, Servette, yep. Cagliari, sure. Monza, Slavia Prague. Not one of those teams is a good team. Slavia Prague is probably the best of those five, and they're Mm -hmm. just a meh team. Like, there's a reason they're in Europa League. And they came up against Inter, and they didn't do a single thing. That's right. And it just leaves so much to be desired for them. And, like, at some point, you're going to have to start being able to play with the big boys. We'll see if uh, they, they ever decide to wake up and if they ever decide to make a, a managerial change there because, uh, like I mentioned, uh, and, and like you've said, Jose Mourinho's time, I think, has run out uh, again with yet another team, shockingly. Uh, not as quickly this time, surprisingly, though. Not as quickly. So i got to give him that. But maybe Vincenzo Italiano is a, a name to look at. Maybe Paladino is a name to look at, right? Uh, progressive managers. Yeah, uh, who really are perhaps better suited to take advantage of this offensive power that they do have. But with that, sir, let's move on to our final game of the week to recap. Not the final game of the week, of course, but, you know, just the more interesting ones, right? Uh, Juve Verona, which, mind you, inter- interesting wouldn't be the word I would choose for this game. It was a game. They won. <laughs> they took three points. Cambiasso scores in the 97th minute, which tells you exactly where this Juventus team is right now. And I just want to, before we get started on discussing this game, just want to provide one bit of stat highlight here. 30 shots (laughs) total for Juve, six on target, six big chances, five big chances missed, and 3.37 XG. Now, you tell me, Robbie, <laughs> you explain to me, I'm the Juve fan here, you're the Inter fan, you explain to me what you take away from that, please. Hey, I'm going to look at it positive because I did the same with Inter. 
They are creating chances, and that yes. is very good. That's that what you want to see. Right. At yes. some point, the numbers are going to even out, and you're going to start getting those goals. You don't get one goal from 3.37 expected. It just no. – like that's – is just a fluke kind of game. I mean, granted, they probably don't have many games where they're going to have 30 shots, but no, you're going to score those chances more yes, often than exactly. not, or you're going to score more than what you did in this game. Um, right. It does feel like every game we talk about when it comes to Juventus that you open up with, uh, it was a game and Juventus <laughs> got three points and that's what matters for this. Like, we say the anti-football. I wouldn't say 3.37 expected with 30 shots is anti-football, but Juventus no, definitely no, don't play fun football. Um, yes. But hey, they're second in the table. They're standalone yeah. second in the table. That's Two right. points off the top. Exactly. This is, if you asked a Juventus fan yourself mm-hmm. before the season, you have 23 points through 10 games. I think they take that. That's a pretty good I'm start happy. to the season. Like they're seven Don't get me two wrong. and I'm one. Happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not. So let me let me make sure I don't sound ungrateful here because <clears> there's teams doing far worse. Okay, I am perfectly happy with our positioning on the table. That's not what concerns me. Mm-hmm. What concerns me is a is a, our ability to last. Right, our endurance is what concerns me the most because if we are performing like this now. When we should maybe have a bit of a pep in our step, et cetera, right? We don't have any tragically horrible injuries to deal with. Yeah, we did lose Fajoli to, well, uh, betting, but, you know, <laughs> whatever, such is life. Um, it does also concern me that we're having a lot of games where, I mean, look at this. Uh, was a third or fourth week in a row where Moise Ken has had a goal ruled out. And I love Moise Ken. You know how much I love Moise Ken. Um, and I've been starting to maybe think that Moise Ken is actually playing a lot better than I've given him credit for. Uh, and he has been creating a lot more chances. He's been more dynamic. Uh, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I've gotten to the point where at times where I'm, I'm wondering if maybe he ought to play alongside Dusan Vlaovic. But Nonetheless, there was two goals ruled out in the 13th and the 53rd minute, one for Vlaovic, one for Moise Ken. And you just sort of wonder if we don't have those guys finishing in a non-offside manner on a consistent basis, it doesn't really work very well for us when it's, you know, game 35 this uh, season, right? And there is uh, a deadlock at the top. And you need to win. Every win is critical at that point. That's how I think about this. And that leads me to be a little more critical than I should be, which is a totally fair point on your part. Uh, Definitely complain a little too much, which is my fault. I will stop complaining, I swear. Uh, I am very happy we got the three points. So diatribe aside, I'm very, very happy we got three points. We are second on the table above Milan. Now, mind you, I just want to mention also, as far as the Inter is concerned, 20-goal difference. Impressive. Yeah. Far and away the best. Only five goals conceded. It's That's right. another clean sheet. 
another week. Absolutely. It, Gotta love it. You know, Gotta it's funny because it. we question the defense a lot. Like with yes. Bastonian having him making mistakes and he made like that's right. He made a mistake against uh Roma. It just felt like he was uncomfortable at times. Um but at the end of the day it isn't necessarily costing them at this point, which no. is good. Um, exactly. But that also feels like that may even out like the expected goals on exactly. the other side. That mm-hmm. might start hurting them. Um you brought up the thing for Juventus with uh, Kane, uh, Muse Ken versus with Vlaovic. Now, when Chiesa comes back, would you think be open to the idea of having him as the 10, the Regista, um, no, sorry, Trekarista? Um, mm-hmm. And who would you take out? Uh, McKenny, Rabio. And definitely not your boy Locatelli. Um, so, which one would you take out, the McKenny or Rabio? Uh, I think you keep Locatelli in there because he's an anchor. He's a guy you need yeah. back there. Uh, he's the Regista. Can't take him out. Uh, but you do take out McKenny. Uh, I think McKenny has been largely ineffective. Uh, I'm still waiting for that game where I'm like, okay, this is why we, he's still on, on this team. I think the only reason he's still here is because of his flexibility. I think I like he likes his ability to play him in, in multiple positions. And mind you, don't sure. get me wrong, I like McKenny. Uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a great component of our U.S. national team, right? He you don't is have to a, work great. Well, okay. <laughs> he is. Listen, man, I'm just gonna blow him up a little bit. But McKenny's McKenny McKenny's good. Okay, at the very minimum, he's good. Uh, but you could take him out there, put Vlavic and Ken uh, Moise Ken in front of uh, Chiesa. There you go. That's a nice uh, nice thing to try out. That'd be pretty exciting. Not going to lie. Be, yeah, I agree. And I mean, the thing I like about Vlaovic and Ke- uh, Ken, sorry, being put up there is because you've got Ken who can actually dribble. Vlaovic, as we all know, the only thing he can dribble is, well, he can only dribble using his hands when he's throwing him up at the ref, wondering why he's not getting a call for the 15th time in the game. Um, not really very helpful, though, when you're trying to score. So doesn't really help very much. But I love Lavich. Four goals at this point is where he's at for the season. He's been injured a bit too, so you got to give him a little slack there. But we'll see where the season goes. If they somehow, if I like this time I woke up and said, we'll put Lavich and Ken together and I'll put Chiesa behind them, that'd be a nice trial. Yeah. I'd love to see that. That'd be a great game to uh, subscribe to. Don't see that happening. Don't see that happening. Let me put that out there. I'm not manifesting this anytime soon, but we'll see. Uh, and, and and just with that, I want to just quickly go over the, the table real quick. And, you know, we're, we're at this point 10 games into the season. Anything that really stand out to you on the table? Uh, Atalanta have performed better than I expected. They're in fourth. That's fair. Um, yeah, fair. So that's probably it. I would have said the top three plus Napoli were the top four. Um, mm-hmm. And Inter, Milan, Juventus, Napoli would be my top four. Um, and they're the top five. Uh is the lone one in. But it mm-hmm. really feels like the table is kind of shaping out as you expected it to be. Lazio Agreed. in seventh, Fiorentina sixth, Roma ninth. So like you get the Bologna in eighth, months a tenth, but 
feels like it's pretty similar to where it ended last year. Yeah, um, I agree. Of course, Napoli in fifth is not similar, but right. still the same generic teams are up at mm-hmm. the top. Same teams are at the bottom. That's um, right. Udinese are fighting for their lives. That's for they sure. Yeah. Um, that's, I guess that's, even though I had that as my prediction, that is still a surprise it in is. general. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, everything else, like Sassuolo, probably lower than I expected. Yeah, that's the one I was going to mention as well. I mean, that that's a surprising one for me. I uh, did not expect Sassuolo to be where they are. Honestly, I thought they'd be where Monza is right about now. Um, that's fair. You know, we've seen Lecce kind of normalize a bit, as we've spoken about, right? I mean, they were only going to be able to keep that up for so long. Um, yeah. And, like, at least to be, like, frank, like, the difference between Sassuolo and Monza right now, I get it, the 10 to 15. Right. It's only two points. So yeah, it's really not that it is so early in the season still with 10 games. Absolutely. We're just over a fourth of the way there. Mm-hmm. Um, so still lots of games to be played. Lot Like it's so marginal. Like it is Juventus Agreed. are one point over third, four points over fourth and five clear of, uh, for a champions league spot. Um, now don't get me wrong. That's great. For, mm-hmm. for through 10 games, you like that little gap. Hopefully, Absolutely. you know, our teams can keep producing that gap. Um, but yeah, nothing really shocks me. No, no. The word I and I mean, even the gap at the top isn't so crazy. Uh, no. Between Inter and the fourth place Atalanta. It's a six-point gap. That's two games. That's not an impossible gap to overcome, let alone the fact that we've got, you know, 28 games to play at this point still. So... We've got plenty of time to go. This is very early. And uh, like I, I like you said, I mean, uh, the, the table looks pretty predictable. Uh, I think we've, we talked about this before the season started. This seems like where I thought things would be. Makes sense. If this is, if this is how it remains, I wouldn't be shocked. Let's just put it that way. Same. But with that, let's uh, discuss a few of the games from the coming week, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Well, let's start with Atalanta versus Inter. Inter visit Juai Stadium. Yeah, another big game. And That's it's right. a perfect week for Inter to not have European football in the middle week. And, of course, Atalanta doesn't That's either. Right. Um, but it just is a nice time to have a rest. Um, yes. Inter, 4-0 on the road. They have yet mm-hmm. to concede. Um, we'll see how Atalanta continues to trend throughout the year at home. Mm-hmm. Last year was a big struggle for them. This year they're three one and Last year they were ten three and six at home, which for them is quite not not good, I guess. No, it's not certain that's like what you want. You know, you want mm-hmm. a strong home record and exactly. they did not have it. They were road warriors. Um but they also haven't conceded at home. So which one's going to give? Is it going to be a 0-0 draw? I it's mean, it could one. be. Then yeah. one wouldn't give. But yeah, they've scored seven in four. Seven goals in four games. No conceding. While Inter on the road, ten goals. Haven't conceded. Should be a good one. It, it should be. Uh, at least in when, when I'm just looking at my heart. 
that's where I feel like this this game should be is is exactly where you're saying it, which is that feeling of like okay, we should not have anything other than an entertaining game pop up. Something that just nags me though that performance against Sturm Graz that Atlanta put out there, not good, not good at all. No, that was a very um, bad performance in my view. I agree, but it does feel like Gasparini will have his guys ready to go. You have a whole right. week to prepare. It's not like like for Sturm Graz. I'm sure they were focusing on the weekend, or like right. Atlanta was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had to focus on Genoa on Sunday, and then that's right. They had an extra day for Monday against Empoli. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had to feel like they were looking at those two fixtures rather than Sturm Graz. Uh, because you expect Atalanta to go into that game and just absolutely smash them like Fiorentina did. Um, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I mean, so, honestly, this game to me just feels like a draw. Zero zero. Nothing. Zero, nothing really. Zero happening. zero. Yeah, nothing really happening. It's a bold uh, prediction. It is. I mean, I just feel like this Inter team is kind of due for that slowdown. They've been they've been really playing very well. I mean. The last five games, they've they've not lost one. So, very Just wait very well till here. wait till January. That's <laughs> that's the time. It happens every year. That um, is totally fair. I, I'm gonna say zero zero draw. I will say a podcast special. Two to one to win. Two to one Inter. All right. Well, I call I it love a- this. I call it a podcast special because we podcast love the special. two one line. Uh, well, I mean, you know, you know me. I, I love two anything. Two yeah. one is fine. A podcast fine special two one. It, Both it's the old number of. Uh, well, it's it's my favorite player's old number. I mean, come on, twenty one. Dybala, yeah. That's well, Dybala and, and many oh. other legends. Before. <laughs> um, I was thinking more recency. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's look a little further back. I like the bottom. I'm not going to crap on him. Now spur the pot. <laughs> you know, it was Diabala. He wasn't the first guy I had in mind, but I appreciate the effort. Um, but with that, you know, I understand, understand what you're saying. I, I get where you're coming from. I, I know why you'd make that prediction because it doesn't feel like these teams uh, will or are capable of producing a 0-0 game. However, let's not forget, uh, Atalanta did hold Juve to just a boring, boring draw just a few weeks back, right? So, yeah, not impossible, especially at home. They did that at home as well. So, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, we'll have to put something interesting on the line here, right? Let's just, you know, say um, you give me your car if, if, if this is true. <laughs> <laughs> But with that, uh, let's move on to uh, Fiorentina and Juve before you lose any other uh, things you you own. <laughs> Fiorentina and Juve looks like a bit of an interesting matchup, huh? Yeah. Um, again, like Juventus are, they might not be looking pretty, but they're getting results every time. I'd expect yeah. the same here. Like Fiorentina aren't great at home this season. No. They're 2-1-1, one, and one, so kind of what you expect to see. Yeah. Um Juventus 3-1-1 one, and one on the road. 
but it does feel like it's Fiorentina are not sure enough defensively mm-hmm. that I don't trust them. Then again, outside the massive XG that Juventus just had, yep, they don't really inspire going forward. No. Um, but playing Fiorentina sometimes gets the offense going because of how bad their defense is. They're an all vibes team. And, uh, I again, expect Juventus to win this game. Maybe like, a. three, two. Three, two. Wow. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, all vibes football. Wow. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. I see this game differently. Very, very differently. The way this game, in my view, is going to end, and this is just simply because Juve have kept, surprisingly, to my admiration um, and complete shock, the most clean sheets in the competition this season. Seven. Okay. So, like, gotta love that. Gotta love that. I'm going to say that if Moise Ken starts and Lovic starts alongside of him, I'm going to say 3-0 Juve. Wow. 3-0 Juve. That is my prediction here. You heard All it here vibes. first. Heck yeah. All, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I am praying that this 30, you know, shot on well, some somewhere in the goals direction, um, was not a fluke. I'm hoping that there's some momentum carried over here. Granted, there's a whole lot of wishful thinking here, and uh, I'm fully aware of the fact that you know I'm kind of banking on, on a lot of hoping here. But we'll see what happens. I'm not willing to bet my my car on that. So just FYI, <laughs> uh, don't know if that says something, but. This uh, the Fiorentina, Fiorentina team definitely is very tough to play against. They do have this odd thing where they've given up the most, they've conceded the most penalties this season. So that's something to watch. I mean, we saw what uh, Moise Ken did to Milan with uh, Malik, Malika Tio, right? He was sent off. Uh, maybe something similar happens again if there's not enough discipline in the back line. So maybe that's something to look at. And uh, with that, let's move on to the last game I kind of wanted to cover here. And just because on a, <clears throat> on a surface, this game doesn't look very interesting. Torino playing Sassuolo. But you've got two teams that are they're playing very interesting styles of football at this point in the season. And they're going in very confusing directions, almost like they're zigzagging through the season. <laughs> if that's what yeah, it feels like that's fair right so what do you make of this game i mean it's tough because for me neither play in europe so it'll be interesting how they rotate their squads mm-hmm. seeing as they both play copa italia games on thursday right so they'll both have three days rest as this is a monday game right I feel like that will push down the vibes. Mm-hmm. Sassuolo's like, great. Are they going to be able to play both all three of the Loriente, Berardi, Pinamonte uh, front three for both mm-hmm. games? 
and then continue that way. Um, I feel like at some point you're going to have to rest them. Uh, yeah. My gut would say one, one draw just because Torino doesn't, isn't is anti vibes while Sassuolo yeah, are all vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just feel like it kind of, they both rub off on each other. One, Agreed. one, some vibes, just not all vibes. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, that's what we're going to predict from now on. It's gonna some be, vibes. Is this going to be vibes? Some vibes? Yeah. All vibes? Like, that's just going to be a scale. We need uh, we some, like, Cagliari, Frosinone that's right. vibes. Oh. That would be this, unbelievable. It's not going to happen fantastic. in this game. I'll tell you that much. No, no, no. No way. Um, no, I, I agree with you. This is going to be 1-1. I mean, let's not forget, uh, Torino just had a devastating loss. Uh, they lost Parachers for them, which is... A huge loss. This is uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is a loss they can overcome. They don't. I don't think they have the the, the depth in their lineup to overcome that. And now no. they're left with one good center back, you know, Alessandro Buongiorno, who is uh, plenty good, mind you, but don't know if he can do that all by himself. One uh, one is my prediction as well. So I think we're we're both in the same same boat here. We'll see what happens, but that seems pretty safe, to be perfectly frank. I mean, they have done that before. If you look back to April 3rd, 1-1. If you look back to January 23rd of 2022, 1-1. Boom. You know, so there you go. There's a history of this. It's, it's waiting. We'll Turn see what happens first. with this, probably. That's right. 1-1. One, one. And uh, just before we uh, move on from previews here, let's just briefly talk about the Lazio Feyenoord matchup on November seventh. Here, you know, are we expecting the same game here, Robbie? Are we expecting Feyenoord to just, you know, quite frankly, kick Lazio down again? No, we're we're not. Uh, I would have said I said that Feyenoord were going to play to him and beat him on on their home turf, but I think it's going to be a vice versa. Lazio know uh, what they have to do to win this game. It's different playing mm-hmm. in the Olympico rather than in the it Netherlands. Exactly. Um, and that changes everything. You got to win your games at home, draw on the road. They unfortunately lost on the road, but you know, take care of business at home. I think they will mainly because I think sorry, will see what he has to do to slow him down. He'll they'll mm-hmm. look at the tape. They'll, they have a little bit of time. They have a whole week to, from when we're uh, recording, to look into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I would, I would say Lazio win that game two to zero. Honestly, I like that prediction. I fully back that. That's two zero seems like a totally doable um, scoreline for Lazio here. You're right. Stadio Olimpico is a tough stadium to play. And Feyenoord have lost at Sadio Nibico before, 4-2, last, uh, last time they played there. So not something that is out of the reach for Lazio. And plus, they've been playing pretty well, so let's see if they can keep this up, right? All right. And with that, the other uh, Champions League game to look out for is the Milan-PSG game, right? Also on November 7th here at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. San Siro this time. I personally am not expecting much different. This Milan team looks emaciated. I, I think they've they've punched their ticket out of this Champions League for me. I don't I don't see how they make it back out. Um uh, I personally just picture a 
one nil PSG win. Fair. What about you? Fair. I'm thinking one one tie. Uh, PSG have too much firepower that yeah. it'd be tough for Milan to win the game, but I'm I'm thinking they at least get a get a point here. That's fair. Slowly That's fair. build their way back up, and then hopefully try and win the final two. That's a totally fair uh, statement to make. Yeah, I mean uh, they they very well could tie. I could see that it is at the San Siro. It definitely is more more challenging to play in that atmosphere. Hopefully the the fans will make it a little more difficult, right? And uh, boy, we know Milan and Inter fans alike can make that stadium unbearable to play in. Heck yeah. So, uh, let's, uh, with that, wrap up the preview. And of course, we, re- uh, we wrapped up the recap earlier on. Uh, and now with that, let's just focus on a couple of stories. One I want to cover just briefly. This has nothing to do with Serie A. I'm sure you heard about what happened in Ligue 1 uh, over the last uh, few days. The Olympic Lyon team bus was attacked, pelted by Olympic Marseille fans, including, I think it was three buses that had uh, Lyon fans taking them to the stadium for the game, which was which was postponed, rather. Sorry. Uh, so Fabio Grosso was hit. On the head by a rock, this bus was pelted, destroyed. Crazy to see. Absolutely insane. I've seen clips of the fans doing this. I don't even understand. I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, what's your take on this? I just don't understand why fans think it's okay. Yeah. To like, like what, what goes through someone's mind to think, Absolutely. yeah, let me throw a rock at another human being. Like, Absolutely. just be a good human. That's that's it. Just be a good human. Be a nice human. Be nice to others. Respectfully, like, enjoy your sports teams. You don't have to that's hurt right. physically other people because they grew no. up or support a different team. Like, that's exactly. it. That, like, like, we are all the same. Yes. Treat everyone else the same nicely, like, respectfully. Like you That's don't right. have to love everyone. You don't have to like everyone. Just be mm-hmm. respectful. Be nice. Like there's no reason for anyone to throw a rock, make a racial slur, anything. Absolutely. Like it just yep. is crazy that there are fans and France, like this is just the spotlight for they're in the spotlight right now. Happens all mm-hmm. over the world, like in every it league. And it's a disgrace. It, it is. It's something that does feel very toxic to soccer. Because it, um, it doesn't feel like, at least from my perspective, maybe I'm not exposed enough to it, that I don't see it in a lot of other sports. It's predominantly mm-hmm. in the soccer superfan groups. It is. Absolutely. You know, you're, you're completely right. Uh, you've nailed it on the, on the head there. I mean, that's this is a, a seemingly massive problem in, in soccer worldwide. But and, and I don't want to pick on Lee Gun. There are plenty of great, passionate fans who, who adore their teams and, and do it right. And they're, they focus on their passion for the team, and they respect each other, respect opponents, um, and, and are never, ever taking uh, violence as their main way of, quote-unquote, supporting a team. That's not the way to support a team with violence. Fabio Grosso was likely uh, just mere centimeters from losing an eye, potentially. Uh, you know, the, the, they, they, they could have killed somebody 
worst case scenario. And I know this is, you know, a whole bunch of what ifs. I, I don't want to be dramatic or anything, but it's just a matter of those buses looked horrible. Uh, you know, look at some of those photos. You just think to yourself, there's nothing about this that's okay. And, and, and Lee Gunn, unfortunately, has this reputation or has built this reputation. It's an unstable league where acts of violence from fans are very common. They're, they're not exactly uh, rare things. I mean, when was the last time you saw an act of violence in Serie A or the Premier League from a fan? In terms of canceling the game, uh, not yeah, yeah in a while. No. It's been a long time. Granted, there there were the days. We're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and act like you know Serie A has not had its days. Yeah. There's many issues, specifically Absolutely. racial issues. Mm-hmm. But um, exactly. But I hey like to, as far as I know, I need to say this. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, everything against Roma went off without a hitch. And that's great. That was the perfect hostile atmosphere that you could do for a player you really dislike. Exactly. You just whistled them to death. Um, And you didn't do anything, as far as I know, like that would be like racial slurs, nothing like that. Of course. So far, that's great. And that's the way you need to do it respectfully. Like, yes, absolutely. I'm sure getting whistled is really annoying. But probably. But, um, (laughs) but like, it's just a whistle. Like, exactly. that's okay. Like, no, that's true. Like, Vinicius Jr. has been dealing with constant racist abuse in, sure. in La Liga. Yep. And La Liga is doing nothing about it. Uh, and that's another, again, I don't want to ever portray City Island like perfectly. We've talked about this. So we'll talk about this plenty, I'm sure, unfortunately, because it's not treated as a serious enough issue, unfortunately. Racism in football is a problem. And until these leagues decide it's a it's a big enough problem. Uh, unfortunately, there's not going to be much uh, done to actually stomp out this problem here. Uh, and with that, I don't want to dedicate too much time to that, but um, definitely are. Um, I'm glad that Fabio Grosso is okay, that the staff for Leon are okay, and I'm glad that the, that the players and fans were not uh, gravely injured and no one died. So with that, hopefully it doesn't repeat itself. Uh, and one more story I want to discuss with you, Robbie, is the huge-ish deal that the Zone and Sky in uh, Italy made with Serie A, with 17 of 20 teams approving the 4.5 billion euro deal. Um, this is far short of the 7.2 billion euros they expected or they wanted. Anyways, that's that's almost three billion right there. What do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, Serie A has irrational expectations for their league. They still think like it's 20, 2008 and yeah. they are the number one league financially in the world. They mm-hmm. are not. They're not even close to what the EPL is. Um, no. They're really not that close to La Liga either um, in terms yeah. of finances. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. If you told me the seven point two billion figure was what they wanted beforehand, I also would have been like, I would have probably laughed in their face. Um, <laughs> and that's what the TV companies did with this with this yeah. deal. Basically, they almost got half of what they asked. They got just yeah. over half. That's right. So, like, yeah, the four point the that's a good number. It's a big number. Yeah, it needs to go up, but it does 
that also needs to be reinvested into stadiums, into players, into right. everything. Like it feels like the Premier League got it right when they marketed mm-hmm. in everything. Everything has gone perfectly for them. They've flushed yep. money into it. They've done everything to make it great. While Serie A mm-hmm. just is like, well, look at our teams that we had 15, 20 years ago. Those were great exactly. times. Like, look yeah. at these stadiums. They're historic. They're great. Like, I love the San Siro. Absolutely. At the same time, you have all these other teams that are getting brand new stadiums. You look at that pitch exactly. in May of the mm-hmm. San Siro. It is horrific. Like, yeah. absolutely. that is the state of Italian football. We look like we're watching Ronaldo play uh, in the <laughs> Europa League in the 90s on a cow pasture. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're 100% right. You totally nailed it. I mean, uh, we've... T- we're gonna. I have. I have a feeling we're gonna talk about this one for quite a long time. I mean, let's not forget the notorious struggle of Roma to try to get a new stadium built. Fiorentina is struggling to get a new stadium built. The list of teams that are struggling to get stadiums built is is ridiculous. Milan, uh, and Inter are just now starting to get some traction on their stadiums. Before this, there was just notorious dead, uh, deadlock. Sorry. So when you consider. That in and of itself being such a huge issue that limits the team's ability to market themselves and make money. Income is greatly reduced there. For sure. So uh, you're absolutely right. $7.2 billion for this team. I'm sorry, for this league. And the teams are currently playing in it. Not, not a smart number to put out there. Because all it does, in my view, is it just automatically brings you down. Because people look at that number and they say, how can you even ask for this number? This is this is a joke, right? I agree. Uh, this team is, I mean, like you said, La Liga is ahead of us, right? I'm pretty sure the Bundesliga is also ahead of us. Both of their media rights deals are over a billion, I'm pretty sure. So it, we've got a long ways to go. We've got a long ways to go there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, one little wrinkle I want to discuss was that one of the teams that did not vote for this uh, to prove this uh, deal was Napoli. Shocker. Aurelis de Laurentiis, right? Shocker that he would stand in the way of this. Uh, he wanted, as is reported right now by Sportsnet, I believe it is. Yes, I think it was uh, Sports Pro. My apologies. My apologies. Sports Pro reports that uh, de Laurentiis wanted a direct to consumer platform setup for Serie A. So he wanted to create – he wanted the league to create a streaming network. What do you make of this? It's certainly interesting. Um, I don't know how the finances would work for it. I feel like it would be less – it'd be easier to advertise your own teams where yeah. you wouldn't have the constant cash coming in. No, um, you wouldn't. Exactly. So I'd, it'd, be interest, it'd be very interesting to see how they would do that. Um, financially, since every team needs so much more cash. Um, oh, absolutely. They all are preaching broke. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how that would have worked. But he always, you know, for as much crap he gets, he really yeah. isn't as bad as what people make him out to be. That's fair. I mean, uh, that's totally fair. Uh I, I do I do see your point of view there. He he does he is villainized quite a bit, probably more than he should be. I think sometimes he does bring that on to himself, unfortunately. 
for sure. Uh, but the way he is, his brass personality, et cetera. And some of the things he says that just make no sense. But <laughs> I, I don't know how right now would be the time for them to start a streaming network of their own. This league, I don't think is strong enough yet to do no. that. It feels um, like you should have a strong footing first. Exactly. And then That's right. like you do it. Like if the Premier League did it now, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. They've got the strong footing. They've got a ton of cash. Like perfect. Exactly. That's, That's when right. you do it. Yeah, I mean, and that does leave you wondering, right? I mean, if the Premier League, with its current power, seemingly expanding every season, I mean, it's insane. They're not doing this. Why? Why would they? Yeah. Why would City A do this? When you're you're at risk of losing a lot. I mean, you could potentially bankrupt the league if things go wrong, right? Yeah. Exactly. So that's too much of a risk. But with that, we will share any updates on the upcoming uh, rights deal for the U.S. It's expected that CBS will hold on to the rights, but we'll see what happens there. I mean, this is probably probably going to affect the price of that. What would have potentially been higher probably will come down a bit. Uh, and uh, City, I probably won't get as much money as they hoped. But... We will keep you up to date on that. We'll keep you up to date on any other developments as far as the stories we've covered here. And thank you for joining us this week. Thank you for joining me this week, Robbie. Great Thanks episode. For having me. Forza Inter. And as always, please ignore that. And always, always remember, fino a la fina. Until the very end, juve per sempre. Grazie. Ciao. Ciao.